We're carrying on the series on Mark 2, and um, I've been really just uh, this past week, um, I'm just going to be honest and vulnerable with you guys, I had like this crazy, I've had a crazy headache for three weeks, and I've had uh, chiropractors trying to do stuff and whatever it is, and it's just, it's probably just getting old, picking up kids, uh, it's just a, co- a combination of all of those things, um, but it really like, I don't know, as I, in worship, I felt like for a lot of us it's been like just this uphill battle this week, and it's just been like, oh, we can't get the breakthrough, we can't, and I just, as we came in this morning, and just worshipped, and Leandra led us into just the, this deep presence of God, I just think, what, what a privilege we have, what a privilege we have to, to worship Jesus over this region, and when she led us into that space of just declaring stuff over this region, that something actually shifted, that something changed, so welcome to City Light, if it's your first time here, Trevor's going to do all the formalities later. But we're just going to get straight into the Word. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark 2, we're carrying on this series in Mark. And um, Mark is an, an incredible book because, number one, it's the shortest gospel of all four, which I like. Just get straight to the point. Um, and uh, the original plan was to try to do this in, um, until the end of summer. We're going to go way past summer because we're only on Mark 2 now. And it's already been four weeks. Uh, we're going to go a little bit into three. Then it's Mother's Day next week. And then it is Sean is going to be preaching on that. So it's going to be power. We're all excited for that. So Bono or someone said this. I tried to find the quote. I remember quoting it years ago. It could have been Bono. It could have been Billy Graham. Couldn't find the quote. <laughs> Religion is when God leaves and men make a set of rules to fill its space. I'll say it again. Religion is when God leaves and men make a set of rules to fill its space. And we're going to look at three scenes quickly today, just around how Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, the religious of the day, the Herodians, with the, which were the progressive of the day, how he interacts with them, and he just breaks down everything that they held together as this is the way we should do, let's call it church or religion, and Jesus comes and he just obliterates all of that. Tim Keller says this, Jesus declares that he's not come to reform religion, but he's here to end religion and to replace it with himself. And my prayer at the end of today, which I'm going to go much shorter than I would probably, if you want to listen to the, the longer version, it might be in 11 or it may not, we'll just see, is that, that something of the religious, and we can call it a religious spirit, we can call it a religious leaning, we can, we can say, cool, I've come to church, I've ticked the box, I've, I've done the things, I go to community group, I've, I've been in church my whole life, and you like, you kind of feel like you're ticking the box, and you, I want it to be broken today. I want you to realize that God loves you if you came here or not. Now, as a pastor, that's like, ooh, that's dangerous to say. No, God loves you because he loves you. He sees you as his son and daughter. Obviously, he wants you to grow in Christ. And the only way we grow in Christ is in community, together, focus on him. But it's, it's his love that, that, that grips our heart. 20 years ago, around there, 22, are we 23 now this year? 2023. Wow. Okay. So 21 or so years ago, I had a real encounter with Jesus. I, 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 it wasn't just like he appeared in my room. It was just he spoke to me. From that day, I haven't turned back. I haven't been perfect like none of us in the room are. But I've focused my eyes on Jesus. And I think so often, even in, uh, our, let's call ourselves charismatic, progressive, not progressive in theology, we are we are traditional in our theology, but progressive in wanting to reach the city, wanting to be relevant to the city, but also not to take away from the, the, the truth and the wholeness of the gospel. We can sometimes miss 
what, is, what it's all about. We can have our little 20-minute sermon, and, and I, love, I love the moments when God breaks in, when Annalene or others come forward and give prophetic words, and God just takes over the meeting. But then, I, then there's also times where, where the word is preached. And what I want to get across today is that Jesus had no rules. He didn't follow rules that, that were set by society or set by the church. Cool. Let's, uh, let's go to Mark 2, verse 13. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us clearly. I pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see your truth. Just, uh, just let us delight in your word this morning. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to talk about three different interactions, and I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, explain it, and then go to the next interaction. So the first interaction is this. It's Levi, the tax collectors, and sinners. It should come behind me. There it is. Mark 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, just, I mean, that even in of itself, Jesus, did, Jesus taught in the synagogues, but he also taught by lakes. I mean, Jesus was breaking the mold completely. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Levi is Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew. Follow me, Jesus told him. Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, I love how Jesus overhears things. You see it throughout the Gospels. Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. So let's look at Matthew first. Matthew was a Jewish man. Levi, his name. It's a very Jewish name from the tribe of Levi. But yet he had sided with the Romans to take take tax from his own people. That's as bad as in World War II, Germany's taking over France and the French person taking over France and sides with the Germans and takes tax from the French people for the Germans. That's, if we have to put it into context, we can also use it with the Russia-Ukraine thing. If we have to understand what is happening here. So here's a guy who was not liked. Imagine, I mean, going to any toll booth, toll gate, paying money to cross borders in South Africa, you pay this toll gate. Here we got our Salic. It, it's, it's irritating. It's paying. There's a, but here they had an actual person that they had to interact with to pay their taxes. So they can go to different parts of the, of the city and different parts of the country to pay a certain amount. And we knew that this guy had sided with Roman, the Romans, and he was giving, his money straight, giving the money straight to Rome. And most of those tax collectors skimmed a little bit off the top. They were dodgy. They were, they were the kind of the first kind of dodgy bankers, I suppose. Um, and uh, here, most interaction with him, people were despising him. I'm sure people like, there was massive disdain. They'd walk up to him and maybe spit on him or maybe just get really angry. But he was protected by the Roman guards. So they couldn't do much. There's just this, oh, this massive sense of injustice. And he knows that his own people hate him. He's, he's, he's uh, maybe even despised by his family. I can't believe that you joined up with the Romans to, 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 and joined up with the Romans to go against the Jews. You, 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 and he just he would sit there, and I'm sure there was times. Was he forced into the job? We don't know. Did he take it willingly? We don't know. But the point is, people did not like him. Jesus comes along, doesn't shout, doesn't sh- uh, swear in Aramaic to him. He just says, "Follow me." 
What does that say about Jesus? Jesus always chooses the most unlikely. Jesus never went to the top rabbinical schools and said, listen, I'm going to pick the best of the best to be my disciples. He went and chose a tax collector. He chose a zealot who was basically a terrorist. He chose fishermen who, who weren't smart enough in that world to get into the rabbinical school, so they had to follow their father's trade. And he chose them, and he says that these men are unschooled, ordinary men, but they changed the world because they've been with Jesus. And it's amazing for me, just Jesus comes in the total opposite spirit. So I always have to look at that and go, God, God will choose anyone he wants at any time he wants to do anything he wants. He chose you and me. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinning, the worst thing that you've done in your life, Jesus was there. So he was drawing you and he was pulling you out and said, come, my son, my daughter. Jesus, not only that, he sat with the sinners. This is the Pharisees' name for them. Jesus had a party with outcasts, the rejected ones, the ones where the Pharisees Pharisees of the day were saying, you're not good enough to be part of our Jewish community because you're sinners. And Jesus said he sat with them and it says that many of them followed him. Here is a picture into, if we want to break religiosity in our lives, it's a picture of who Jesus is and where he would go if he was walking on this earth today. The amazing thing is that Jesus came full of grace and truth in, in equal measure. So Jesus would go into a situation, let's call it, a, a, what is it? Our brunch is on Friday or Saturday or Sunday now. I don't even know. It's on Saturday. Emma, you don't know anymore, hey? You, that's, that's the past life. Um, she's like, I don't know. Let's just say, we're not brunches. That's Saturday, Sunday. He would go into brunch and he would bring life. He, wouldn't be the, he would be the life of the party, but not in the ways that we think people are life of the party. Jesus would bring the salt and the light into parties. He would be the one that people, how amazing is Jesus that even sinners were so attracted to him. The people that that are rejected by the religious of the day were so attracted to him. But Jesus, not once did he compromise who he was. Obviously, he wouldn't be the son of God. He wouldn't be utterly perfect if he did. He wouldn't be utterly sinless if he did. But Jesus came and people were drawn to him. He had a party for the outcasts. An amazing thing he says, he says it's not the, um, I don't know if it says it here, yeah. And he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We've got a doctor in the house here, Phil, do you want to put your hand up, Dr. Phil? Not the actual Dr. Phil, sorry, that joke is never going to get old, Dr. Phil. And um, sometimes I self-medicate myself or my kids. And you can, get, you can get that thing wrong. Um, I've, like I said, I've had this messed up neck. And I thought, okay, one minute. I just Googled a few things. What pills? I don't have like dodgy pills. Don't worry. It's like because you can't get them in Dubai. And, uh, and I, I'd like, I just, uh, there were these Panadol and something else. And I like, did a little mixture. And I thought it was fine because I Googled. And I, I got that thing wrong. I was feeling sick. I was like, where am I? People felt distant. But it, it took the pain away for like 15 minutes. And then it came back again. So I phoned Dr. Phil. And what Jesus is saying is that, he's like, he said, I did not come to call, we'll read it again. It's not the healthy who needs a doctor. And he's not saying that the Pharisees are healthy. He's saying that the ones who admit their need for a doctor, I've come to those people. And if we admit our need for a savior, and because we're sinners and God, and we understand that it creates a distance between us and God, those are the ones that Jesus came for. He came for you and me, the rejected ones. The ones at the back of the queue. But all the, the only thing we bring to Jesus always, and I, so I'm quoting someone else, but we can only ever bring us into him. 
That's the only thing. And he comes and he wipes it clean. He forgives us. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes I think the Jesus that's preached or lived, or maybe you've grown up in a religious home and you think, man, I just need to tick the boxes and do all of these things and then I'm going to look good and I'm going to impress my parents. And No, no, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus comes and he honors those who beat their chest and he says, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. Jesus, what is show about Jesus' heart is that his heart is for those who are far from him. I love church. I'm a pastor by gifting, by leaning. I've got a team of pastors. Church needs to be pastored and loved. But as Nikki Gumbel said, I quoted him a few weeks ago, we need to have a big front door, we need to have a big back door, we need to have a place where people come in, get healed, set free, but God's called them onto mission, called them to send them out. We're called to go reach those who are far from Jesus. Sit with people who don't know Jesus. And a lot of you do every single day of your life. I'd say maybe there's a handful in the room who are on full-time staff and we're just doing a whole bunch of stuff. But the rest of you are sitting with people who are far from God and you are the, the, their picture of Jesus. This is like Christianity 101. You are the one that is bringing light into the workplace. And um, that's why I think like alphas and all these things which we're going to do after summer work so well because it's just, it's non-threatening conversation around a dinner and it's, a, it's the Jesus model. Okay. Second interaction is the fasting and the new wineskin. Fasting and new wineskin. Now John's disciples and Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot. So as long as I'm with them, so, so as long as they have him with them. Uh, but a time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and on that day they will fast. Simply this, Jesus is saying something so profound. He's saying that he is the fulfillment. Now, if you look at the if, uh, Old Testament history, they, they, were lo- they were looking for the fulfillment of the, of the, the bridegroom, which is Jesus, that was going to come. He's saying he is the fulfillment of, the, of, of, of all these prophecies. And there's a guy called R.G. Gruner. Some German, some German guy says this. Jesus proclaims in veiled language that he is the promised bridegroom and that the joyful wedding of God and his people is now going on. Eschatology, which is end times, is now in process of being realized because Jesus is standing in the place of God and is marrying his people by announcing the present reality of the promised salvation. Jesus saying the one you've been waiting for is right. And Jesus just says the most profound deep stuff in one or two little sentences. And he breaks, he breaks our mindsets. And then it goes to uh, verse 21. It says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the wineskins. Both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, uh, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Simply this. Jesus says that he is the kingdom of God. That the old way of thinking about who God is, or even what the, the religious institution, Jesus, remember Jesus came to, to end all religion, has to break. That there is this dynamic life of God that no container could ever hold. That, and I think God will always renew his wineskin. Like, now the wineskin, uh, it's, it's when God's, and sometimes we can, as, as a church, get so stuck in 
old ways, even in our charismatic ways, we can have, there's a thing in Anglican churches and in Catholic churches called liturgy, and some evangelicals uh, also use it, where it's like a very kind of set, and some of it's powerful, and it's, it's good, like tradition is not a bad thing, but we as charismatics or people who think, oh, we've kind of done church the right way, or whatever, is we the modern church, we literally do the same thing every week. We have 20 to 25 minutes worship, we have announcements, we have a sermon, we have prayer at the end. That's, that's called liturgy. Now, none of that's not bad in and of itself, but if God is not in any of that, we need to start shaking things up a little bit. We need to start saying, God, like just, and uh, let your presence come. And that's what God, that's what Jesus is saying, that, that he is the new wine. He is the new wineskin. He's the, the dynamic life of God. And the old ways of thinking, the old ways of doing stuff is not going to be good enough anymore because he's going to continue to burst out of these old wineskins. There's no formula with Jesus, there's relationship. Simple. No formula, there's relationship. Third interaction is the Sabbath. There's two things that happens on the Sabbath. The one, they, they eat some grain, and the other one is that he heals a man with a shriveled hand. So let's go to verse 23, Mark 2, verse 23. On Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. As they began to pick some heads of grain, the Pharisees said to him, Look, look what are they doing? Uh, sorry, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you ever read that da- what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is, which is lawful for only priests to eat. And he also gave to some of his companions. Jesus is saying basically human need is above human tradition. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. So Jesus here is doing a few things. He's affirming that the Sabbath is good. And I encourage you to take a day off a week if you can. It's, it's, let's be honest, if you've got kids, there's no day off. Okay? <laughs> there's just a day of not thinking about work. That's, that's basically what it is, which is good enough for now until they get to like, apparently at seven years old, it changes. Trevor, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> oh, Ryan, Ryan just said, Ryan alone just had a little baby. <laughs> Hannah, am I right? Yeah, got that right. There we go. But he knows that the sleep that he's now been enjoying for the past three years is now gone. Okay. Well, at least for Lauren mainly, but it's going to affect you. The word Sabbath is a synonym for the word shalom, which is a state of wholeness and flourishing in every area of life. And Jesus, what he's saying in this moment is that there is a need for deep rest. And it's not going to happen through legalism or doing a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to happen when you come to the cross of Jesus. Jesus says this, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. See, there's this, there's this work underneath your work that, that, needs, that you need to find rest in. And the only place you ever find rest is that when you come to Jesus and you're fully loved, fully forgiven, fully accepted, and all the striving that was working to try impress other people. And that's, you, can, you can see it on social media. You can see it on reels. And all of these things that are happening is that it's all about a, a self-promotion. It's trying to like make yourself look good in some way or, or prove yourself to others or prove yourself to old people that used to bully you at school, whatever it is. When you find Jesus, that's the, the affirmation of your Father in heaven coming into your heart should change absolutely everything. That our lives look different, that, 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 
that the, this kind of striving that was in your heart to impress people, to impress God, to impress anyone is now gone because you are now settled in Christ. I'm, t- I'm telling you someone who took me many, 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 many years to get to a place where I think I'm, I'm not quite there, but I'm getting there. Where I'm not stressed about what other people say about me because I'm loved first by my Father in heaven. Imagine, how cool would that be to live fully like that? Like that is, that should be Christianity 101. We're about to do some uh, uh, rooted, the basics. And Christianity 101 is that, 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 that God loves you. Let that sink into your heart so deeply. And then if that affirmation sinks so deep into your heart, it doesn't matter what other people say or do. I wish it was as easy as that. That's why there's, there's a, we have to work through forgiveness because there is offense in the church and that, that happens like that. But we need to come back to this affirmation. So much I can say there. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. This is Mark 3. Actually, I'm not going to do this. How do we keep our hearts free from religion? And I've already kind of spoken a bit about it. But sit with those who are far from God. Invite them to church. How does this church keep ourselves from not being religious? That people who are far from God feel welcome in City Lights. We had a plugged in this past week. And the thing that struck me is there was a bunch of people who were like, man, we're just looking into Christianity. And they just came to, they came to church. And like, we've, we've, we're part of like a more traditional. We've never seen this before. But there's something here. There's something that's gripping my heart. I was like, yes, Jesus. Thank you that in some ways we're getting this right. Yeah. If people can feel comfortable, like we will never water down the truth. The only way you're saved is through Jesus and repenting of your sins and following him. That's the only way. And it's, it's walking away from your old life and following him. But you have to feel safe in this space to explore your faith. And I just sat down with, with, with some of these guys and, and we just chatted. And I was asking about their, their past. And it was just an amazing interaction. I think this is a church that will stop us from being religious is that there won't just be a church full of Christians. And we all need to grow and mature in Christ and, and all of that stuff. But we need to keep inviting people far from him. We, we need to remain flexible because the life of God is the life of God. He can do what he wants. And we've had moments where God has kind of broken into our meetings by his spirit. People have fallen over. Um, I've been offended at times. Like, God, that's, that's not, I don't see that in your word. Like, and you start looking and say, oh, no, there is discernment because there there's some crazy stuff out there and we, can't, we don't throw our brains away or get all of that stuff. But sometimes God will allow these little moments to happen in our lives because we actually need to have a heart check and sometimes a little bit of offense that we're feeling when we see something that, oh, that doesn't really fit with my paradigm. Maybe God's wanting to blow your paradigm. That's what Jesus did. In these three interactions, he just kept blowing the paradigm of the people. We need to tuck into a dynamic relationship with God by his spirit. Simple. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel always. And we need to live by his grace, a deep rest, deep forgiveness, and deep acceptance that only comes from Jesus. We need to keep our hearts close. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that um, that you do love this church. You love not the building, not the name, but you love the people in here. You really do, Father. And I thank you for that. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that um, we would just live closely to you. I pray, Lord God, that, that our hearts would be open and, aw- and awaken to what you want to do in our lives. We wouldn't be so stuck in the old ways that, 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 the, that the new wine that you want to pour out on our lives just gets kind of spills everywhere. Father, we'd be flexible and we'd, we'd listen to your spirit. We thank you, Father. We worship you. Amen.